Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hour two of the program underway right now. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome in now former BYU defensive lineman. It's weird to say former because uh, he has been around the program for some time now. But uh, former BYU defensive lineman Alema Pilimai joins us. Alema, thank you for carving out some time. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. So I, I want to start here. Obviously, you've been paying attention to this, as we all have over the past week or so. Uh, the conversations, the stories about Bilt Bar and what was or wasn't promised by Bilt Bar, where the money's at, all the conversation. You're a guy, and I, you, I had you on my podcast, Locked on Cougars, and we talked a lot about this type of stuff. But I want to get your thoughts on the past week or so. Where do you think things stand right now between Bilt Bar and BYU football? Well, I, I think, you know, the article that was written by the Salt Lake Tribune kind of caused some riffles in the social media world. You know, people have been asking questions about just kind of like what you brought up, like what exactly was said, what wasn't said, what's like what was contractual and what wasn't. Um, I think the relationship right now is great. I mean, you guys saw that the uh, – I forgot who what position Billy Nixon had at BYU, but he just signed over with Bill and is mm-hmm. working there currently. And so um, that kind of there is like the bridge, you know, the relationship between BYU and, and Bill Barr. And so I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think that there's, you know, any static in that relationship. I think that Nick Greer has been an awesome, um, an awesome person to work with. You know, he's done some amazing things at Built for the BYU players. And I, I don't think that those things should be dismissed or undermined in any way. It feels like with this situation, there's an overarching lesson. And, and this is just kind of going to be how it goes with NIL deals as we move forward, everybody's kind of learning, understanding what needs to be said, what needs to be contracted out, um, you know, just how things need to be made clear to avoid situations like this. What do you think the overall arching lesson was from the headlines that came out the past couple of days? I think the biggest thing is just the communication with the players. Um, you know, when there is a lack of communication from the institution or the administration to the players, then there's going to be these kinds of confusions or misunderstandings, you know? Uh, Cause I think the biggest thing was like, yes, there was something said about um, BYU football receiving 15% of the revenue that, that was gained from the Cougar tail bars, but it was never made clear how that would be made manifest, you know, like whether that was going straight to the players or if it was going towards the program or uh, towards Kalani's discretionary fund, you know? So, 
um, I guess really is, it's just you got to talk to the players and let them know like what's going on with these NIL deals. You know, there can't be any uh, miscommunication or lack of. Um, otherwise, you're going to have instances like this. Levin Peely, my joining us, former BYU defensive lineman, uh, just recently uh, graduated from BYU. And Alema, I just I point of clarification for, for my uh, end. Uh, the way that the release and the letter that Bill Barr put out yesterday was all over social media said that all members of the 2022 football program received that $600 payment yesterday. Were you one of those players who received that? I was, yeah. Okay, absolutely. So- I'm, I'm really grateful for it. So, uh, yeah, so, okay, and that brings me to, to my next question. You mentioned Billy Nixon. He was the director of football operations as well as some other titles during his time at BYU. He's recently joined Bilt Bar as the director of sports marketing. Uh, do you think that he will help? Um, I guess I, maybe you already answered this question a little bit earlier with one of your other answers. Do you think that he will continue to nurture this relationship? And do you think that he'll keep the NIL relationship going uh, despite some of the hiccups over the past week? Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at his past performance as uh, equipment manager and then obviously director of player operations, he was always looking to, you know, to give the players more gear, get them more excited. And so I think he's always looking out for the players' best interests. So I I definitely think that him working at Bilt um, kind of solidifies the relationship and maybe even improves um, kind of on the communication and the relationship between BYU and Bilt. As someone that was with BYU's program for a long time and has seen this transition from no NIL to NIL, yeah, (laughs) under the table to uh, it's now all out in the open, Uh, you know, and now BYU's making this move to the P5 with the Big 12. How do you see NIL kind of working to help BYU make this next step, this this next jump? And what do you think they need to do to continue being competitive? Yeah, I, I think BYU has to continue to harp on the unique, um, its unique characteristics, the unique uh, qualities that BYU has from an NIL standpoint. I mean, I mean, you look at the built bar deal, and like that just caused a huge ripple in the college football world. You had like the NCAA, con- you know, conducting an mm-hmm. investigation on BYU. Um, you had other programs getting upset because like, man, they can't do that. That's not what NIL is for. No, absolutely, that's what it's for. It's to it's to highlight the unique um, characteristics and qualities of these of these colleges, and especially with BYU, like they wanted to take care of the walk-ons, and so of course that's going to be um, a, a competitive um, talking point for BYU. And I think it was awesome that they did that. Um, so I think that BYU has to continue to harp on those things and and really take advantage of its relationships with the surrounding network that it has in Utah County. Um, because Utah County really is a unique a unique place, um, especially since we have a it's kind of a, a college town, you know, Provo. So I, I think it's just taking advantage of the relationships that they have um, and doing whatever it takes to make sure that those relationships benefit the players, um, whether it's, you know, getting food at local restaurants or um, getting gear from any of the local, like, you know, stores there in Utah County. It's just they just got to take advantage of those relationships. Now, Lemma, I know I've had this conversation with you, but you have a unique uh, perspective on all of this because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe the background for you, you were a scholarship athlete when you first got to BYU, but then uh, midway through your career at BYU, you were moved to being a walk-on who directly benefited from the NIL deal the Bilt Bar had. They paid for your tuition. Uh, paid for your tuition. Is that right? That's right. 
Okay, so can you quantify how a big that was? Because that's that's thousands of dollars of an investment from a company uh, into your education. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I when I was taking off a scholarship, I was kind of heartbroken at the fact that I, you know, financially that security was kind of taken away. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I understand it's a business decision, and so that's why, like, from my perspective, like players should be able to make their own business decisions if if that's how you know these institutions are going to handle those sorts of instances. So, but, but having built, you know, pay for my tuition and allowing me to graduate with a degree. I mean, I, uh, there's no um, amount of uh, words that I could say, you know, gratitude that I could show that would really fully express just how like indebted I am to them. And so I, I I definitely have a unique perspective in in the sense that I, I can see, the good things that the, that Bill is doing that are way different than the other NIL deals that you'll get from other from other schools, and so I, I just feel like the um, the hate was kind of unwarranted, or the uh, the criticism was unwarranted because it didn't take into full consideration the context of the the built and BYU relationship. Uh, you mentioned that Built Bar helped give you the opportunity to finish your education with a little more ease after having been taken off of scholarship. What what are your plans, you know, now that you're graduated? What are what are you doing with that degree that you got? Yeah, well, so right now I just accepted a job at Vivint uh, in inside sales, but in terms of like my career with my uh with my degree, um I I want to be working, you know, hopefully helping uh troubled youth in, you know, the the local troubled youth homes. Uh, hopefully, I'll be following a career along those lines. I, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I just know that with a degree, I'm able to enter the workforce with a lot more confidence and a lot more pedigree behind, you know, <laughs> behind my name. So, like, it definitely helps with like finding work. Hey, that paper, it's important. We, Michelle and I both know it, it makes a big, big difference. There's no doubt about that. Um, I got one other question about on the field, and this just goes to looking forward for BYU. Uh, you were with the program as recently as spring ball. So give me a sense, as BYU gets ready to jump into the Big 12 this fall, where do you think the Cougars are strongest, and where do you think they may have uh, some things to shore up as they get ready to play Power 5 football? Um, you know, I it's a good question just because, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of have bias towards the defense, especially having <laughs> sure. been able to, especially having been able to spend time with the defensive coaches like uh, coach Sione, coach Hill, um, and a little bit of time with coach. Anna. And I just feel like right now we're kind of, the advantages that we have is that we're kind of an underdog and that people aren't really expecting much from the program just because of this huge transition from independence to now a power five, you know, the big 12 conference. And so I, I just looking at the different changes that have been made, I definitely feel like people are going to underestimate the tenacity and violence and, and aggressive um, play calling um, from BYU this season. So it, I think we're going to be fun to watch. And I think a lot of the players are going to benefit from this new scheme just because they're able to play a lot more, um, a lot more aggressive and play a lot more to our strengths, which have, which has always been, you know, just people underestimating us and then us going in and, and, and smacking people's mouths, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just I just want to praise, you know, Coach Hill and the new coach that have come in because they've really changed around the attitude surrounding our defense. Alema, I cover Utah, actually, uh, and I, I've been doing this since about when they made the move to the Pac-12. And it was always mm-hmm. interesting to me asking guys from kind of every stage 
of the process, you know, just what their thoughts and feelings are. Obviously, you're kind of on the bottom ground. You're the crew, part of the crew that made it possible to make this jump in the first place. I know it's very early in the process. We haven't seen the on-field product yet, kind of how things are going to look early on. But how, how does it feel just kind of knowing that you did enough, you and your crew did enough to kind of push push BYU to this next stage? Yeah, I, I think, you know, ultimately I just am filled with gratitude to have been able to have the opportunity to uh, to be a part of the team and uh, to make some small contributions here and there um, for us to be here in this position. And so I, I think just looking forward and, you know, watching from the sidelines now or watching from uh, behind the TV, I think I just, you know, want to be able to support my, my boys as much as I can. And, um, and yeah, I guess just take more of a supportive role. You know, I've, I've started a podcast and I also want to be able to like, you know, talk with my friends and my former teammates about their college football experiences and how maybe things have changed since um, the last defensive coaching staff has left to now. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to take on the, the, the screaming fan behind the, <laughs> the TV, you know, I'm ready to take on that role and, and just support my boys as much as I can. Well, you mentioned your podcast, uh, Puppet, where can people find it? What's the name of it? Sure, it's called the Unfiltered Talk Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram, um, and also on YouTube. And that's probably the that'll be the platform that we use the most. Yeah, and you, as you mentioned, you and I have talked about this. You're gonna you're, you you want to bring the athlete perspective of that, and I think that's something that's very valuable out there in the media sphere. So, uh, wishing you nothing but the best of luck with that, and would love to have you back on the show down the road to talk some BYU. And I guess from that, yeah, as you mentioned, the screaming fan perspective, would love to kind of have <laughs> hear you talk about it from as a guy who's been on the playing field, but at the same time, as you make the transition to being that fan, it'd be fun to have you back on. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. We uh, really appreciate it. And you guys are awesome. Love the guys' show. So. All right, there you go. Alema Pilimai. Uh, Alema, obviously, uh, uh, going to be doing his thing with the unfiltered talk stuff. I think he's got a really, really unique uh, perspective he can bring because, as as he kind of mentioned, he, he started out his career with non-NIL, uh, I guess, universe around him in college football. Then they make the transition while he's playing. And also, he also was a guy who directly benefited from the thousands of dollars invested via NIL into him personally by Bill Barr and other companies. I think it is a really unique perspective, and I think it's worth having him on to let him kind of explain. This is this is what the impact it's making in the real world. This allowed him to graduate debt-free from BYU, whereas had he been taken off scholarship and having to take out student loans and that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, he's an example of one of, the better aspects sure, yeah. of NIL. Yeah. Uh, there 1, are CD aspects of it, yeah. There, there absolutely are. And, you know, we we kind of maybe saw a, li- a little bit of that just from the standpoint of just not making clear yeah. what the intentions are. Like, but this is not going to be the first or the last time we hear a story like this. Uh, no. But for me, I love that he's planning on kind of documenting this journey Mm -hmm. I think you know obviously when Utah made this jump it was kind of before people were super super into podcasting it 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 was kind of before you know you could have these kind of conversations on I mean like social media was there but it just wasn't the big deal that it is now I love that he's going to take time 
and try and document some of this. I, I think that's going to be really valuable and fun to look back on mm-hmm. uh, as Utah, or excuse me, as BYU, okay. yeah. <laughs> as BYU continues going, yeah. to advance, uh, you know, through this process through the Big 12. And you're right. And he, he, he literally, he went through spring ball at BYU before deciding it was time for him to move on. He actually still has a, technically still had a year of eligibility remaining. Mm. He could have been with the program through this fall due to COVID uh, situation yeah. and whatnot, but decided it was time for him to move on. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward, but you're right. The point that you make, I think is the best part is he's going to be able to offer unique perspective because he's been in the meeting rooms with these guys. So he'll be able to talk directly to, okay, Here's what happened on the field. Here's what I think may have impacted that. It's just it's fun to have guys like that because mm-hmm. you and I we're media. Like yeah. we we we're not in those meeting rooms. Well, and he's going to be able to talk to you know his his teammates, his yes. boys, yeah. in a way that you know a lot of times you and I can't. I mean, some sometimes we sure. can. Some sometimes you get someone to trust you like that. Um, but it's just totally different when it's someone that you suited up next to and, and you've done the blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. thing, you know, for five years together. Well, yeah, and that, but that goes to the whole point, the whole team dynamic. Like, you become very close to your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never played organized sports in an organized fashion, like, outside of high school. But mm-hmm. I'm still very close to multiple of the guys I played football with in high school. I'm 36 years old now. I've, 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 I was 18 when I graduated. I've lived an entire another like high school lifetime since then, but I'm still very close with a number of those guys because of the relationship we formed literally on the field. And I think you have the same thing in your realm. So it'll be fun to hear Alema talk about this, but it was also good to hear him talk about the direct impact that NIL can have for the good because mm-hmm. – too often we see stories about the bad. Jaden Rashada having a multi-million dollar deal torn away from him uh, due to funding falling through from a Florida collective. He has to force his way out of Florida, now at Arizona State, with nothing, essentially, NIL-wise. The rumors of contention oh, with Jordan Addison. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you hear you hear the not-so-great aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, that's just going to be the name of the game probably really for time and all eternity. I mean, people, <laughs> here's the thing. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that want to do, I think, the right thing sure. with a lot of this stuff. But there's also people that see opportunities to just take advantage of. And, and they already are and, and have. Exactly. And, you know, that's just not going to stop. Even even with more rules in place, it's just not going to stop. So Somebody is always going to think they're above that oh. uh, and can get away with and pull pull the wool over somebody's eyes and it's going to cause, you know, a a big messy drama thing Mm -hmm. um, or rumors of a big messy drama thing um, that just don't kind of go away. But, but it it is, it's always nice hearing the good aspects of it. And I think Olema's story is definitely a testament of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and the one thing also uh, that we learned from all this built bar stuff Get it in writing, folks. Yes. My my daddy taught me from a very young age, document, 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 document. Write it down. Have yep. dates. Yeah. Time stamps, signatures, like you leave have, no stone if, unturned. If you have a notary, notarize it, do it. Just yeah. make sure it's spelled out in very clear terms what is going to happen because it feels like this was a whole big uh, amount of, they said this, no, we meant that. Just 
get it in writing. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Leave no question. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will come back. We'll get to five minutes of talking about some of the other topics we've not had a chance to touch on quite yet today. Uh, this is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Nice pull on the bump here. That's a that's a throwback right there. <laughs> All right, uh, Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, breaking things down. Time for five minutes of and covering some of the other topics we have not touched on today. We did cover a couple of these I want to hit on, though, Michelle. I, I want to start off uh, with uh, what's going on for Real Salt Lake. They are going to be in uh, Austin tonight, taking on Austin FC. Uh, have you have you seen Austin's new soccer stadium, uh, Q2? Uh, Q2, right, is what the name of the stadium is? It's a phenomenal soccer facility. Huh. Right? It, they they did it right because RSL just this past year put in that standing room only section mm-hmm. down on the south end of the stands. Austin has it on both ends of their stadium. Ooh. It's they've done a really really good job with it. Uh, they've been one of those franchises that has invested from the get go since joining Major League Soccer, and it'd be interesting to see how RSL does because uh, Corey pointed out earlier on in the show. It was a really, really bitter and disappointing loss Wednesday night, and now obviously you have to go on the road. And by the way, uh, you face that same Galaxy squad next Wednesday for a chance to punch your ticket to the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. So games and matches coming fast and heavy here for Real Salt Lake. Well, and ones that sound like they matter. Yeah. They you, do. you gotta get it together. You can't you can't pull what you pulled on Wednesday. You just can't. It was a little bit of a debacle, honestly, because it was like they felt like they'd seized control of that match and then they just kinda like let go of the rope in a way. And it was like, what are y'all doing here? Like so We've we've all witnessed a game or two <laughs> of that caliber with sure. whoever we cover, cheer for, whatever. It, it happens. It's always fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fun's relative. I I'm thinking like what was it? Washington State 2014. Utah was up 25 oh, on I, and it came rumbling back. It came rumbling back. Yeah. Well, that you're right. <laughs> you're right. And it, it, it teaches lessons. We all know this sports like you, you've got to you got to stay engaged. And that yeah. the interesting part about that whole debacle Wednesday night was uh, it just felt like after uh, L.A. came back to take the lead back from Real Salt Lake. It was like all of a sudden RSL was like, well, bleep, yeah. we're out of ideas. <laughs> it was just <laughs> time to go home. <laughs> yeah. So uh, crazy, crazy times. Obviously, that match tonight set for 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time coverage right here on the KSL Sports. We'll begin at 5.30 with the RSL pre-match show. And um, I'm still not 100% certain who is on the broadcast other than DJ and myself. So Tune in and find out when, when I find out. So We like surprises. I know, we do like surprises. All right, a couple other things we want to talk about here. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. Now, you do you know Monty Williams at all, his reputation in, in NBA circles? 
Uh, my understanding, pretty good. There was a lot of outrage. He was let go. Yeah, but so um, the Suns fired him. Okay, yes, yes. And he got a massive deal from the Detroit Pistons. Okay. He's going to make an average of $13 million a year. Bye, Phoenix. Well, and so that's the inter- interesting part about this is that Phoenix uh, has now hired Frank Vogel, uh, who led the Los Angeles Lakers to that uh, bubble title down there in Orlando. Uh, it's kind of been a he's been a decent coach to me, but Monty is considered to be one of like the really really good coaches, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like a knee-jerk reaction of them crashing out of the playoffs, speaking of Phoenix and their new owner, Matt Ishbia, to fire him because all of a sudden Detroit was like, all right, this guy's on the market. We need a decent coach. We are willing to overpay to a crazy, crazy level because Vogel, who's going to replace him in Phoenix, is only getting $6.5 million. <laughs> what a, I, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that, I don't know. that That whole situation was very interesting. It was kind of shocking um kind of one of those cases where you're like you really think you're gonna do better but i you know what we'll buckle up and find out this coming season yeah monty will be interesting to see how he does because detroit's got such a young team like and let's be honest detroit's been down since 04 really like that when that when that era with big ben wallace uh rip hamilton when that ended it feels like since then it's been Detroit, and I'm, I don't use this, pardon the pun, they've been spinning their wheels. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the Motor City. Ah. But that's what they've been doing. Like, they've just kind of been stuck in, they've been stuck kind of near the bottom of the East since then. And I'm interested to see if Monty really can make an impact with Detroit. He's proven, though, he did this with New Orleans. He He's a good coach. Gets the, It seems to get the most out of his players. It's just it'd be interesting to see how he does with that young of a roster. If that makes sense. If he can get them all on the same page. Uh, I mean, the thing about a young roster is you can mold them to whatever you want them to be. They're impressionable. Yeah. Um, the problem with a young roster is sometimes they think they know everything already. <laughs> well, and again, <laughs> you bring up a very good point because Houston, uh, the Houston Rockets have got a stockpile of really good talent Mm -hmm. and I look at Houston's situation and I'm just like what coach wants to take that over because the players in Houston if you read some of the stories about the Houston youth is they're the guys who think they know everything so what coach is going to want to go in there and say okay no listen up young buck like (laughs) you don't know everything but I'm about to teach you (laughs) and and then the whole story about Houston potentially wanting to bring James Harden back like, oh, I kind of forgot that he actually wasn't even there anymore. That's oh, funny. I just, I look at Houston and I'm just like, can you shoot yourself in the don't, foot? Don't do it. Don't do yeah, it. Like, danger. I, danger. I, I don't know. NBA, NBA coaching circles always make me chuckle because uh, Doc Rivers, who obviously was with Philadelphia and got fired with, with James Harden on that roster, he was in the running for this job in Phoenix. But in a convenient thing, right around the same time the news was starting to break, the Frank Vogel was getting the job. Well, Doc Rivers had withdrawn his name from from the coaching search in, in Phoenix. Oh, okay. <laughs> it always makes me chuckle and stuff like that. The the, the timing of all that always is. Convenient. I have, did I have personally anyway. withdrawn my name uh, from going on dates with Margot Robbie. So <laughs> you and me both. Much like Doc Rivers <laughs> has withdrawn his name from coaching Phoenix. Well, and it was the same thing with Nick Nurse. Uh, he got hired as Philadelphia's coach, uh-huh. and he had. 
Um, so Milwaukee hired one of his assistants, Adrian Griffin, to be their new head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. After Giannis signed off on Adrian Griffin, he former, he's a former NBA guy. He's like, I want a former NBA coach. Well, conveniently, right around the same time Adrian Griffin was getting the pub that he was going to be the guy. Well, Nick Nurse had withdrawn his name from that from that from that job. Huh? What? You mean the he? Okay, whatever. They, so, they let him save face. Yeah, they do. Well, here's the. Oh. Would you save face better, though, if you just didn't say anything? Because then it's just like a big flashing, like, he wanted this job well, and, and he, he didn't get it. In some ways, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's strategy behind all of it. This, this, and by the way, this is agents who are all doing this behind the scenes. Yeah. They're, it, <laughs> it's a PR firm that's saying, hey, this is how you need to handle this. And I've got no doubt that Doc Rivers is going to be back on an NBA sideline oh, as a no head coach doubt. within the next two years. It's just... He's got the reputation. He won that 08 title with Boston. Right. With that in his back pocket, I am a championship winning coach. He will always have options available to him. It's just it's an interesting strategy to have him be like, I withdrew my name from the from the Phoenix Suns coaching job. I never wanted that <laughs> job anyway. What, what are you talking about? I wasn't that interested. Yeah, it, it just it makes me chuckle when when those things kind of play out but that's kind of the that's how the NBA coaching circles and like the, it just spins and here's the thing Quinn Snyder cycled right back into the co- head coaching cycle with the Atlanta Hawks when all of us I yours truly included thought he would take at least a full year off right he yeah. needed to decompress in a bad way but he got out and all of a sudden was like you know what I missed that and he jumps in headlong. Like, he could have easily told Atlanta, okay, I'll be your head coach, but I'm waiting until the end of the season. He just decided, you know what? Let's start right now. He probably was bored. Uh, I know uh, yeah. we say take a full year off, but he had bored. had, what, nine months yeah. for somebody who works all the time well, and, and is like maniacal uh, with a work ethic? Maniacal is the you, exact term you He use was probably him. bored out of his mind. And he's like, can I just go ahead and start now? Sure. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. It's just, it, it's crazy because. He has maniacal is the perfect term for like a guy like Quinn Snyder. He was legendary for the amount of hours he would put in. Like, and in some and cases, it may be bad for your health. I was going to say not shocking. Yeah. He, he looked like yeah. he worked as much as he did. Yeah, he, he, to he, be honest, he wore it in his in his demeanor and his in his physical nature. But you know, I, hopefully, we don't see like a rinse and repeat of I don't know an Urban Meyer, sure. Gary Anderson. Yeah. You don't want to see that stuff. No, there's no doubt about it. By the way, congratulations to Gary Anderson. By the way, did you see this? The big the is it the Big Blue Collective, the the new collective that Utah State announced? Gary uh-huh. Anderson is going to be one of the co-directors of it. Oh, is he? Yeah. That, you know what? That's probably a good spot for him. He just cannot handle being a head coach. It keeps him in the game, keeps him involved. And it's not just in football, but it's with the sure, other sports. Everything. keeps him in, 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 ingrained with Utah State where he really made a huge imprint. But it th- takes the strain of the whole coaching side of yeah. it off of him. Yeah. It, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, one other thing real quick on the NBA front. We talked about this earlier as well. Uh, the Salt Lake City Stars have hired a new head coach, uh, Steve Wojcikowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was he, number three on your list, Corey, of he, he most hated Dukies? He, he dropped down to four. Oh, four, okay. Yeah, like, you know, white dudes from Duke that you hate. 
It's Christian Leitner, it's JJ sure. Reddick, Grayson Allen, and Wojo. Okay. That and is the he, list. he's he's gotta be everybody's top four. He, he he's right up there because you're right. He is the originator of the slur the the slur flap. Wow, that was a <laughs> that was a flub. It's it's too early for <laughs> that, yeah, Jake. Exactly, way too early. No, floor slap. Like you see the Duke players still do it to this day every so often when they get a, in a critical moment in a the game, they need to get a stop. He's the originator of that. And, and he got, I, I vividly remember the, like the, the, the hate that was just, people were like, what is he doing? He's disrespecting the game. It's just, yeah, but uh, he is now going to be the Salt Lake City Stars head coach. And interesting move. Uh, he was living here locally in Utah. And by the way, the amount of people who did not know that was in, in, in media circles was frankly stunning to me. I thought it was a pretty well-known thing that he was living here locally. His wife's family uh, is from here. Her parents live in the Salt Lake Valley. He was up in Park City. It just it was kind of stunning to me that people didn't know that he was already like here. If that makes sense. Like I said, uh, like I said earlier yeah. in the show, like there there are a lot of shocking people here with houses, and sometimes it's hard to keep track of them all. Uh, we there, yeah, there is. Um, I have it on fairly good authority that he was very much in the mix for the Utah State job uh, when that came mm-hmm. open after Ryan Odom made a move. Uh, he had a he had a decent run in the college realm. Marquette was. <sighs> Yeah, Marquette's not bad. It, they weren't bad, but they, he was also expected. He was one of the guys that Coach K had, like, I don't know, put his blessing on in a way as a coach. You, yeah. You've seen some of those guys that, that Coach K has sent out from, from Duke who have worked for him. He's like, he gives him, like, the, his blessing is like, hire this man. And Marquette did it, and he had a decent run, but it just it didn't work out to the level that anybody expected for him in Marquette. And it'll be interesting to see how he transitions now to, uh, it is, it's pro. Yeah. It, but it's the it's the minor leagues. Right. I think it's a it's an interesting fit for him because uh, we had the conversation. I was I was filling in with Jake and Benyash, they producing for them yesterday, and they talked about this hire. And we had Andre Miller, obviously the former Utah star, on with DJ and PK. This goes back to earlier mid April, right around the time the the NCAA, NCAA championships were happening. We were we were having him on with some of the other players from that '98 squad. His uh-huh. 25th anniversary. It was right. kind of a fun thing we yeah. did. And he's now the Grand Rapids Gold head coach, which is the Denver Nuggets version, uh, G League affiliate. They're uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, of all places. I don't know why Denver has their minor league affiliate in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but whatever. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. But Andre talked about the fact that he played in the NBA for so long. It was coming up on two decades by the mm-hmm. time he hung it up. And he talked about the fact that there's a stark reality or stark difference in the realities of the NBA life. And the G League life. He said, NBA, you go charter, hotel, game, if you're staying overnight, back to hotel, charter, to wherever you're going next. In the G League, it's a lot of commercial flights. You're spending, you're killing time on layovers in (laughs) who knows where on your way to your next game. You're going to Fort Wayne, Indiana to play the Mad Ants. You're going to... Uh, D.C. to play the Capital City Go-Go. These different G League teams are spread yeah. all over the country. And he said it's a very stark difference. You're staying in five-star hotels in the in the NBA, and it's it's like a – not that's not Fairfield, but it's like a courtyard Marriott when you're in the G League. It's, it, a, it's a unique thing. It sounds like the Stallions is what it sounds. Uh, other than we did actually have chartered flights, which is also why it does not exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we put the cart before the horse. Yeah. It, I just, I, I, I do wonder how a guy like a Wojo, because he, he's been at, I call it Power Six in college basketball, like with, mm-hmm. with Big East, which he was competing in. 
they charter and they stay at pretty high end. Yeah. Like I'm interested to see how he adapts to this life because it's it's truly it's the whole story of the in baseball of the minor leagues where you ride buses and you stay in these podunk hotels in these really small towns on your way up the ladder. It's interesting to see how Wojo adapts to that now as he kind of starts out now potentially a pro career as a coach. Just, yeah, uh, I mean, if you want it bad enough, you will adjust. Well, and that and that's the thing. Uh, oh, go ahead, Corey. Well, I just. Think about Quinn Snyder's path. Yeah. Woj is doing the same thing he there did. because Quinn Snyder f- awesome flamed scores. out at Mizzou. Yeah. And then he went and coached in the, what was it called then? I don't think it was G League it then. Was the it D was League. the D League yeah. then when he was coaching in Austin and then yeah. worked his way up. So Wojo has that opportunity. Yeah. And just because you end up not being successful as a college coach doesn't mean that if you come to the pro game and you're not dealing with recruiting, you're not dealing with kids having to go to class and you get Bingo. to focus yeah. on basketball yeah. all the time. There are some guys that are just cut out for that, there is a and there are some guys that are cut out for college. It's purely hoop. Yeah, that's the thing about that, and that's the other thing Andre said. Andre, like he doesn't. Andre easily could have tried parlayed a potential like jumping on as a low level assistant with an NBA team, but he wanted to car- kind of carve his own path. He with Jason Terry, who's with Will Hardy's staff here in Utah. Jason Terry was a G League coach. Jason Terry had a great career in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to take the path he took, but he wanted to really prove himself. Because he wants that, he wants this is the next part of his thing. And it's a similar mold that Andre Miller's taking. Because Andre, I think he easily could have latched on as a video coordinator with an NBA team and not had to go the G League route. But I think he has aspirations, probably similar to Jason Terry, of actually being an NBA head coach. And this is a way to do it. And Wojo now can follow maybe a similar path to one of his good friends in Quinn Snyder. And when you focus you know, purely, on the basketball element, you don't have to go out and recruit. You said you're not trying to track kids down saying, yeah. why is your schoolwork not being taken care of? It's all hoop. And that that can be a, that can, that be, can a, be a huge difference yeah. maker. So best look to Wojo. It'd be interesting to see him with the Stars. They had a pretty good team last year. We'll see if they can follow it up this year. All right. Uh, we will take a, our penultimate timeout here on the show. Come back on the other side. Wrap things up. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone, wrapping things up here on this Saturday. And Michelle, uh, do you know the last time the LPGA Tour was in Utah? Do you know how long ago it was? I I couldn't tell you because golf also not my thing. <laughs> so I learned this actually just a couple of weeks ago. It's been 60 years. Oh, wow. Six zero, not one six. six. It's been more than 60 years since the top level of women's golf has been in the Beehive State. Huh. Uh, announcement coming earlier this week, though, that the new Black Desert Resort in Ivins near St. George is going to be the host of an LPJ event at Black Desert beginning in 2025. Be a May event, it looks like, is what it's looking like. We like that. It, it, it's, it's a, it's really, a great opportunity. Yeah, it is. And it's going to bring a lot of eyeballs to this state. Now, they have had the Epson tour at, uh, at um, what's the other one over there? Copper Rock, which okay. is down in southern mm-hmm. Utah as well. That is essentially, you know, the Corn Ferry tour and the PGA tour, where they, the Corn Ferry tour is kind of the feeder for the, for the PGA. Oh, okay. So they've had the Epson tour the last two or three years down there at Copper Rock. Uh, the way I understand it is that is going to continue at Copper Rock, but this is going to be a brand new, like, this is the top level. This is LPGA, like, the actual best of the best coming to Utah to compete. Yeah, no, I like that. Like, like extra opportunities for the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like having attention yeah. uh, on Utah and, again, the the great lifestyle that we provide. 
It's never a bad thing. Yeah, so I I had a chance. I was down there on vacation in southern Utah, and I had a chance to go over and see Black Desert in person. I've not had a chance to play it. Uh, PK was down there. We did a remote there yesterday with DJ and PK. Uh, PK played it and said it was absolutely phenomenal. My observation just looking at the course with my own eyes is like, wow, this is this is really cool. They, they've carved it into those lava fields out there near mm-hmm. Snow Canyon, mm-hmm. literally carved these holes into it. It's It's phenomenal. They, they've done a really, really good job. It's got all the red rock you can imagine around it. Snow Canyon off on one side. You've got that whole mountain range in front of you. It's incredible what they did with that course. So fun to have uh, some of the best golfers in the world coming this way. Hell yeah. So, yeah, we like that. We it, definitely like that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I, I did not know that. I just I was talking with a guy there. He's like, you know, last time the LPGA Tour was here? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I was like, you wish I was. He's like, 60 years. I'm like, oh, so it's been a minute. Cool. Like, my my time on this earth doubled, yeah, basically. Exactly. Crazy, crazy stuff. But nonetheless, <laughs> exciting all the same to have the LPGA coming back to town. Like I said, I'll start in 2025. They are okay. going to have an event uh, this fall up at Soldier Hollow, though. Mm-hmm. It'll be an Epson Tour event, so that mine is the, the, the AAA, I guess I'd call it, of what LPGA is. That's going to be called the Black Desert Championship up at okay. Soldier Hollow. But then in 2025, May of 2025, that'll be the first LPGA event down at Black Desert in St. George, or Ivan's technically, but there you go. Nice. So exciting times. Uh, it's good to have, I guess, high-level sporting events coming to the state. It just kind of brings a new attention. Well, right. I, I think it's good from the standpoint of, again, if we're pushing for MLB teams sure. and yeah. NHL teams and, I don't know, maybe some someday clear <laughs> down the future, an NFL team, yeah. like, yeah, it's good to have these kinds of events roll through. Well, and these these pro leagues pay attention to one another where, where, where they go. They're like, oh, okay, maybe we want to check that out. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that's going to do it for us. A big thank you to all of you, Corey, for producing today. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. For Michelle, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Rejoin us next Saturday right here on The Saturday Show. Until then, have a good day. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.